Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I have a learning experience designer turned customer success consultant, Erin Petershik here with me today. Thank you so much for joining me, Erin. It's great to be here, Leslie. Um, so we're kind of, I'm kind of excited about this talk because we're going to sort of talk about, you know, the constantly evolving world of learning technology. Um, but before we get into that, do you want to take a minute, uh, to sort of introduce yourself and kind of share a little bit with the listeners? Sure. I'm probably not unlike a lot of the folks that are listening to this, an uh, accidental instructional designer or accidental learning professional. Uh, it's a it's a second or third career for me. I backed into it from other worlds, and it's always kind of funny to me how the dots connect in hindsight. Like when I started out working in government and electoral politics and working for large state agencies, um, you know, in hindsight, oh, look, it was large scale change management. And we did a lot of training and learning as part mm -hmm. of that. And that was the elements that engaged me and brought me the most enjoyment. And so I I chased those those paths and ended up uh, teaching English in, in another country and China for several years. I know a lot of our colleagues have done stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. And then um, most recently, I was working for Boeing as a learning experience designer. And now I've moved into uh, kind of the learning tech space uh, as my customer success consultant role with a company called Totora. Cool. So, um, yeah, so you're sort of into this like learning tech space, which I really don't know that much about. I mean, I'm a user and consumer of le learning tech, but I have no idea how that stuff gets developed. So like I know, and I also know this is sort of a new role for you. So I I'm just curious specific to your, your company, um, what's something that has like surprised you as, as you've gotten to like peek behind the curtains a little bit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Well, I, I feel like I should start with the caveat that, you know, it's almost kind of new to me, too. I, I don't have, like, deep chops or a long history of, like, a learning uh, management system, LMS system administrator, or, you know, architect or anything like that. And now I'm in a company where that's their core product. And it's a, it's an awesome product. Um, uh, we, we are open core. So the code is open, which, uh, values wise really resonated with me when I joined the company. Um, so there's sort of a core, you know, code that then, uh, clients can customize with their own plugins. And, um, yeah, it's just a really fascinating world and, and not one I had a lot of exposure to. So, you know, of course it's surprising to me just how much there is for me to learn, oh, like the yeah. learning curve on the upskilling and just getting to know the product because in my role, eventually I need to be able to demo the product and speak to it, you know, super cogently and compellingly enough to, you know, kind of like we do in learning needs analysis, you know, you're, you're doing a needs analysis of the pain points of your potential client and then trying to showcase, you know, how your product can meet those needs with as little friction or as much, uh, you know, practical time boxing and costs, you know, because everybody's very cost conscious, of course. And a lot of our clients do see significant savings because of our approach on the on uh, sort of the core product being open, open core. 
mm-hmm. um, if not full open source. Um, so that's been certainly surprising. Um, I'm also just kind of super delighted at some of the newer products that we've come up with. Like, um, uh, I got super into Degreed. I really like uh-huh. learning experience platforms. And when I was at Boeing, I kind of became like a power user out of the gate when we brought Degreed on. And and I've followed them as a company for years. And now, you know, my company's kind of entering that space too. And so it's kind of fun to start kind of like popping open the hood and like, uh-huh. okay, what does ours do versus what theirs does? Because that whole like social collaborative, you know, meeting people where they're at, learning in the moment beyond traditional LMSs is just super exciting space for me personally, like yeah. just philosophically and professionally and, and personally. So um, I've been excited and kind of surprised to see that learning experience platform uh, landscape change with, you know, new products and companies coming online um you know it's it'll be an interesting space to watch i think in the coming coming couple years yeah and it to back up a little bit it's like there are sort of in in the id field the learning development field there are so many tools at this point i think at one point it started off with like PowerPoint, articulate presenter, <laughs> which evolved to storyline and rise. And so even within those older tools, they're evolving themselves to stay competitive. Yeah. But all of these other competitors are coming in and now, you know, learning experience is different. And that's a whole nother branch that's like uh, shaping how instructional design is and the merging of. So there's just so much activity going on, so much evolution happening right totally. now. Totally. That totally. it can be overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I have so much empathy for just the complexity that we're all dealing with as human beings. And then you have these complex technical solutions that are being debuted in your work, and you have to ramp up on those too. And, you know, I have some, <laughs> maybe some less popular thoughts about just how, you know, how much we're kind of outsourcing our decision-making or our, our thinking to these, you know, air quotes, capital T, capital S, the system can do that for us. Mm-hmm. And then like deep, deep expertise, whether it's in finance or HR and people or whatever is sort of like, it's kind of being lost because I feel like companies are just kind of, oh, you know, the system will take care of that. Yeah. And, like, giving, you know, changing or outsourcing that decision-making process to an algorithm instead of um, letting a person sort of put, put their brain to it because it's hard to, it takes a lot of time and uh, money to invest in a person to get them to that level of decision-making. Whereas if it's like, I can pay a few thousand, a few grand and get a solution that is sophisticated and can make decisions, but like it's, in my mind, I, I think I'm still thinking eh, I would still maybe rather have a human do some of this work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I mean, and to be fair, like, you know, from my understanding of the research, the literature, the stuff that, you know, Deloitte and these, you know, big, sophisticated, smarter than me think tanks are putting out is absolutely for some of these lower level sort of tasks that don't require you know, true critical thinking. Sure. Bring it on. Like make my work more efficient, streamline Mm -hmm. work and work processes. I just think it seems like the workflows and the processes seem like they're getting equally complex to keep 
up with the complexity of these systems. And so we're not actually hacking it to make work easier for people. It's just sort of piling on more expectations. Like, and now you're going to be an administrator of this complex system. And you're like, um, not what I went to school for. And now I have to, you know, ramp up on it. Um, and I think, yeah, you, you touched on something or your last comment also just made me think about, um, we're also grappling with a lot of churn and people not staying in their roles or at companies Mm -hmm. like, like I look on LinkedIn and people are there for like seven months, nine Mm -hmm. months, a year, a year and a half, and they're on to the next thing. So you're losing all of that capability that you invested in the person. So you can't even really trust that that's going to be there either. So how do you solve for that? Like we get into like knowledge management and sort of like institutional memory uh, quandaries that I think a lot of companies are facing too. And, And the loss of learning and knowledge, right? Who knows this? Who's really good at this? Are they still here? Can they teach someone else? (laughs) I just feel like, again, that just goes back to my original thought that right now, maybe not just in our industry, but in a lot of industries because of the information revolution, like it's just, it's changed the way we work. It's changed how long we stay at work. It's changed all so many things that everybody is in churn right now. Everything is in churn. Everything is tumultuous. Um, Right. Like, a lot and of that was stability. even before yeah. COVID, you know, yeah, that yeah. was before 2020. A lot of the stability of like the generations before us just isn't here anymore mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's just not here. And, and I don't know if it will level out and stabilize at some point. It doesn't seem to be, it seems like right. it's just going to continue how it's going. But I also wanted to say, I appreciate your point of, I was thinking of outsourcing um, this sort of human decision-making to, to an algorithm, but how you said, oh, but then if the tool itself is increasingly complex, then that doesn't even work. Like (laughs) the fact that we brought in the tool to make this simple, but now the tools are so complex that, yeah, it's just, it's like the snake eating its tail at at some point. Totally. Totally. Well, and I think for me as a, a, you know, a person who's passionate about learning and helping bring out the best of people in their work, you know, so much of, I think our shared sense, you know, sensibilities, you know, certainly I I know you feel this way, but we as L&D people, I mean, we're capable of such empathy and insight. And so it's like (laughs) with, with great power, whatever great power comes, great responsibility. Uh I feel like learning professionals are uniquely positioned to kind of straddle all of these areas, you know, like knowing enough about technology, but also trying to understand culture and the employee experience and engagement issues that, you know, your HR colleagues grapple with. And then, um, you know, trying to partner effectively with your communications folks to make sure that it's clear what what is out there to help employees do their jobs well or effectively or more efficiently partnering with your colleagues in it to know enough to be dangerous or even get really sophisticated about how all of these complex, you know, it, um, systems work together. I just, I think we're, we're kind of, we're weird, like liaisons or expediters of those kinds of, of relationships and conversations. Yeah though sometimes we're marginalized from those conversations as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess, yeah, because we come from the background of like doing lots of um, 
empathy exercises and needs analysis and trying not taking face value what someone tells you their need is, but also trying to understand um, some underlying maybe systemic issues or different things like mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And our, and our colleagues over in product, you know, like product designers, product managers, sometimes I look at them and like, they're often like uh, run like an agile team and things like that. I look at them and I'm like, holy cow, they're doing what we do better than we do because they're just really looking at that whole user experience and mm-hmm. getting that that quick MVP, you know, of a product out the door and watching people's actual behavior as they interact with the thing that they created. And sometimes we're kind of hampered by these, no, you know, we got to do this big, long training, you know, curriculum design and and it takes us nine months to get it out the door and it's you know, it's stale the second we launch it. So I, I yeah. look at my colleagues over in product and I'm like, I kind of want to be more like you guys. You seem to be doing this right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do think that that's being brought in more. I think people are talking about that, that trying to get more agile, trying to become more iterative and less linear. And also um, another one that I've heard is design, bringing design thinking in and trying to bring mm-hmm. that that perspective in. So yeah, again, just like what we've been saying this whole time is like, there's just such a mesh of things happening all at once. So much motion happening all at once. Um, and you sort of had to go through this personally recently, right? Like you sort of had to go through a very quick transition yourself, um, with your conference, which was such a great conference, by the way. So you pulled it off very well. Um, and I'm speaking of Lerna Palooza, but I would like, I, I don't want to tell your story for you. So go ahead. <laughs> I appreciate that. What an awesome segue. Yeah. Um, cause we did, we kind of had to do the same thing that I was just speaking about where we had to look at sort of like, what are our options if we're going to take a live, you know, up to 300 person day long event of learning that, um, traditionally has had a lot of kind of secret sauce or special, you know, what's the magic? The magic is the connecting with people, the, you know, the conversations that happen in the margins, you know, the, some of the great stuff that happens at conferences for sure, or, or in-person events. How do you then pivot to virtual if you're even going to do it? Cause there's of course that decision. And then doing the inventory and like approaching vendors to try and find the appropriate technological platform mm. to meet my and my end users needs, you yeah. know, my, my attendees and participants needs um, and to do it quickly and in an agile manner, like we were just talking about. Um, we ended up, we ended up making the call to go from in-person to virtual because, you know, we just kind of continued to monitor the the health situation and the recommendations. And, and we probably waited too long, but we were just kind of like <laughs> hoping that maybe, you know, and then you start looking at the analog interventions to keep 300 people safe in a physical space. And when you do this event kind of, uh, you know, off the side of my desk, me and my business partner do this like outside of our day jobs, kind of for fun for the last six years. And it's a lot of work and it's a small but mighty team that pulls it off. Um, If you're cost conscious, it's just really hard. So we had to shift our cost consciousness to, okay, what's the platform? What's the technology solutions that we can do that get a little bit of the magic are within budget? And then how do we effectively uh, redesign and redeploy something in about a six week period. So, wow. so yeah, six weeks. I didn't know it was that fast. 
Yeah. Well, again, we probably waited too long to pull the trigger on that, but, um, well, I think we are all optimistic. I mean, I think everyone was still a little bit too optimistic at the beginning of, you know, the first half of 2020 thinking like, Oh, maybe things will calm down by then. And here we are a year later. It's like, no, (laughs) yeah. Well, again, I wanted to say insanity is doing the same thing over and over. And I just feel like we're trapped in that loop right now. uh, Yeah. (laughs) with the re-lockdown, at least in my state. Yep, me too, where I am. Um, but I did want to reiterate that I think you you guys did a great job. Um, that was my first time attending, and I probably wouldn't have had the chance. That's the other pro that came out of that, right? Like, I yep. would never have had the chance because I'm nowhere near um, where the original location was in Seattle, right? That's where it yeah. was. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Like, t- not only taking something that has historically been in person, but historically very regional, hyper, hyper local. Like, we would showcase local talent because we kind of looked around and and we were like, look at all the amazing learning people that call Seattle home base, whether it's Melissa Milloway or Myra Roldan mm-hmm. or Chris Peary or just, you know, these folks that we had in our own backyard. That's kind of how we started doing this conference because we were like, you know, Seattle's kind of this hub of learning. We've got all these companies like Amazon and Microsoft and, you know, uh, Boeing and and all this talent. Let's Let's showcase the dickens out of it. And then... We grew our global footprint. We had people attending from uh, the uh, Emirates and Japan and Sweden and the UK. And I, I was blown away at how something that we traditionally did and offered for just kind of our community, our own backyard, had value and made an impact and rippled across the globe. You know, I, I, I loved seeing people post on LinkedIn and getting to meet you and Erica and get to work on the, the job seeker, you know, help me I'm transitioning or help me. I've lost my job because of COVID like, Oh, just get being able to give back like that. So, so powerful. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That, and I, I was super excited to be a part of that and to be able to contribute and also just to be present because it, it was, it was a very nice experience. Um, I did want to, uh, sort of ask where you're, what's coming up next for you? Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been kind of lying low because it's been, uh, it's been challenging to transition to a new job, new company. Um, like I said, just my own, you know, kind of upskilling is taking a lot of cognitive energy but speaking of Learner Palooza, we did get invited to kind of come tell that story mm-hmm. at a conference that's coming up and has itself historically been fairly large, several days. Um, but it takes place usually in Australia. Mm-hmm. So to your point, I get to go be present with folks that I might normally not uh get the chance to meet. And so that's the Innovation and Tech Fest. They call it Innovation and Technology um, HR and LD Conference. And it's coming up uh, the 7th through the 11th of December. Mm -hmm. And um, it's all online. And we're going to do a session where we just kind of share like in a 30-minute pre-recording, unfortunately. But um, that's a great way to, you know, to solve for some of this stuff. Um, and then we'll be available for the live Q and a. So it's kind of one of those hybrid events and I'm happy to share the link so that you can post it in show notes yep, and definitely. maybe I'll see some folks there either in my session or all the other awesome sessions. Yeah. So awesome. Okay. Well, 
Is there, I mean, I know you're super busy, but you know, if people have questions or they want to reach out to you, where are you available? Yeah, the digital spaces that I uh, inhabit include, um, we have a website for the company, me and my business partner, um, uh, used to put on Learnapalooza and it's called Skills Leap. So it's skillsleap.com. And we're kind of focusing in 2021 on on upskilling and helping people uh, focus on skills because we think that's a great intervention. And uh, it's also on Twitter at Skills Leap. And then I personally, I love LinkedIn. So come find me on LinkedIn. It's just my name and there aren't too many Aaron Petershicks out yeah. there in the world. So. <laughs> I didn't think so. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for joining me. I've had a, a great conversation and I have a lot of things to think about now. I appreciate your time and your energy and just keep doing this. Um, keep showing up in the world the way you are. And thank you so much for having me.